Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Well, yes, Kevin, you've caught me on tape saying that. I record a podcast. I say worse things than that every damn week. Ass. The following podcast contains... Mother trucker, that hurt like a butt cheek on a stick. Explicit language. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you took the job with an openly avowed racist and then later started to suspect he might be a racist, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, August 17th, 2018, cold-hearted snake edition of the show, where we literally have no choice but to talk about fucking Amorosa. Stay tuned. The What the Hell You Think You podcast is brought to you by No Shit Sherlock's, the obvious explain to the oblivious. Do you go through the world blithely oblivious to the truth being shoved in your face? Are you blissfully unaware of unfolding disasters easily avoided by even a hint of forethought? Then No Shit Sherlock's is the solution for you. Our trained truth technicians will guide you through the simple yet blatantly apparent process of examining the world around you to arrive at a conclusion even a child of six could comprehend, yet somehow elude you. Whether you sink hundreds of dollars a month into lottery tickets or your music career is about to break big, we can help you understand the futility of your actions. When the truth is plain to see, but you walk around with your eyes closed, No Shit Sherlock's will help you understand. Use the promo code AMOROSA at checkout and get 10% off your first No Shit consultation. And joining us, Trump supporter and former contestant on The Apprentice, Amorosa goes on the record. Nice to see you, Amorosa. Hey, Greta. So, I know you're a big Trump supporter. Um, your, your thoughts about this latest round where uh, Donald Trump has uh, fired some comments off about this federal judge. He's now made a statement in writing, but uh, what do you think? Well, I'm going to take him at his word. <laughs> particularly him saying that these comments were misconstrued. And I also think it's important that I know him personally. And he certainly is not a racist. He doesn't have issues with people of color. And I think it's important to note that he will not become the poster child for race in this country. And I think that Paul Ryan is really not getting the point here. The point is that Trump wanted a fair trial, and he deserves that. And that's what this country guarantees and our justice system. As the child of devoutly religious parents, Steeped in traditions and the dichotomies of the evangelical faith, there were litanies of things my parents would not tolerate. Many of these things were, frankly, never going to be an issue. Obviously, murder wasn't something which was going to come up on a regular basis. And really, adultery was pretty much off the table, given the realities of the time and place. Just turned 10 years old. And yeah, I wasn't even getting laid yet, so adultery... Not even a possibility. But there were a few that as a child one could easily stumble into, such as coveting my neighbor's ass or the ever-popular failure to honor thy father and mother, and of course, bearing false witness. You know, good old-fashioned lying. Given my propensity for doing stupid shit, inevitably, I would be called to answer for said stupid shit I'd done, and I was expected to answer truthfully and accept the richly deserved punishment for any items broken or cousins locked in car trunks during my shenanigans. Oh, fuck 
did it get in there? Being a precocious child, a touch too smart for my own good, I would often attempt prevarication to ameliorate the consequences of my actions, nudging the boundaries of the facts in order to reduce the appearance of malice aforethought. You know, I'd bullshit a bit. This was accepted, if not approved, but one of the things I could never do was just out-and-out lie about doing it. Kid lawyering was fine, but denying the patently obvious evidence of my guilt would result in a punishment far worse than the act I'd lied about. Better to spin it and take the whooping than lie about it and take a beating. I speak metaphorically, of course, I was never beaten, but I often thought the injustice of the whipping was tantamount to an actual beating. You use your tongue prettier than a $20 whore. What I mean is, I could lie my way into trouble, but I could never lie my way out of trouble. Unlike, say, anyone who was working now or has worked for the President of the United States. In my long years on this sweltering ball of shit we mockingly call a planet, I've never witnessed a group of people who love lying as much as they do, yet are so fucking bad at it. Cause you suck at it. I mean, you would think after nearly two years of constant lying, they would start to improve, but their lies today are just as obvious and inept as Sean Spicer trying to tell us that we couldn't see all of the people at Trump's inauguration because their pallid, pale asses blended in perfectly with the blinding white sheeting they put down to protect the grass. You have the liar-in-chief who tells the biggest and the most lies. As of August 1st, the presidential liometer has President Pants on fire at 4,229 lies for an average of 7.6 lies a day. That is impressive. Now, since he lies like he does, that means his staff must scramble to keep up with all the lies he's told so they can lie back to lie, don't back up his lies. Sarah Huckabee Sanders' office wall must be a fucking king rat of red strings tying all the lies together to the point where you, if you uttered a prayer to ball, a portal to hell would open and suck the entire world into a pain dimension of eternal torment. Clearly, it's already happened. I agree. Even in a viper's nest of the world's worst people, certain people stand out not because they're better or worse than their peers, but because they are so incredibly mercenary that anyone with even a whiff of self-preservation would run in the opposite direction when they spotted them. Not our president, who believes in keeping his friends close and the friends who will, be, who will inevitably betray you even closer. Which is why one Amoroso Manigault Newman came to be working at the White House. All the best people. All the best. What she did for Trump is slightly less explicable than why she was hired in the first place. From a Washington Post piece in early 2017, quote, Manigault, 43, is fiercely loyal to Donald Trump, whose decision to cast her as an alpha female villain in the first season of The Apprentice more than a decade ago made her her reality television celebrity. Manigault also appeared to have Trump's ear, and some black, black political observers see her as an important ally in the White House that is overwhelmingly white and male. But if her devotion explains how Manigault wound up in the, Trump's White House as the highest-ranking African-American in the West Wing, it is far less easy to explain exactly what she's doing there. Some African-American political insiders already have concluded that she's ineffective, and she routinely is derided on social media as simply providing cover for a president deeply unpopular with African-Americans, unquote. And oh my God, I read a story today that she was in a veterans meeting with Trump and a bunch of actual people who fucking served, unlike fucking President Bone Spurs. She was bored and argumentative and just really pissed off everybody. But Trump was even worse because he fucking kept going back to Apocalypse Now and couldn't tell the difference between Agent Orange and Napalm. 
Did he even fucking see the movie? He said, I'd love the smell of napalm in the morning, not the smell of Agent Orange. Fine. Fine. None of this, this brilliant performance on the part of Amorosa, kept John Kelly from shit-canning her the second he got the opportunity. Amorosa was given her walking papers in December of last year to a round of Twitter jokes and basically not much else. She'd done some shady shit, but by Trump standards, nothing terribly egregious. I mean, a Rose Guard wedding photo op would be a huge scandal in a decently run White House. But given the sheer criminality on display every single day, it doesn't even fucking merit notice. The general consensus wasn't that she was bad at a job because no one knew what her job was. It was just that she really pissed off everyone that worked with her. Flash forward eight months, and now you have Trump tweeting, quote, when you give a crazed crying low life a break and give her a job at the White House, I guess it just didn't work out. Good work by General Kelly for firing that dog, unquote. Are we not still friends? Why has Donnie turned against his African-American? Well, it turns out when James Comey said, Look, I, I've seen the tweet about tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. His wish was answered just not in the way he or anyone else thought they might be because Omarosa has some tapes. No one knows how many or of whom, but she's she has them. Boy, is she playing them. All for one simple reason. Omarosa wants to get paid. What is it with Trumps and tapes? He spent the past three years fighting off one tape or another. There was the grab him by the pussy tape, which in any non-hell dimension would have ended our suffering and put this man out of our misery. But no. And who shall suffer eternal damnation? He absolutely will. There's, of course, the P tape, which haunts Trump like a piss-soaked specter. Does it exist? Does it matter? On the heels of the pussy tapes, there were swirling rumors of a tape where Trump repeatedly used a litany of ethnic slurs. What did I just say about ethnic slurs? And, of course, charming expletives for women focused on a very specific area in their anatomy. Now, Amorosa claims to have either heard the tape or heard about the tape or made a tape about the tape. No one fucking knows, least of all fucking Amorosa, who credibility-wise is slightly beneath fucking Bernie Madoff. The N-words tapes, as they've become colloquially known, are supposedly behind-the-scenes footage of Trump on the set of The Apprentice, on mic and off-camera, saying all the kinds of things we all know Trump says all the fucking time. Rumor was, and now is again, that the producers of The Apprentice compiled some of these pearls of wisdom that dropped turd-like from his ass into a gag reel that was passed around amongst the crew. Bill Pruitt, a producer on the first two seasons of the show, tweeted in 2016, quote, As a producer on seasons one and two of Hashtag The Apprentice, I assure you, when it comes to the Hashtag Trump tapes, there are far worse. Hashtag Just The Beginning. A different producer, Chris Nee, said in a now-deleted tweet, quote, I don't have the tapes. I've signed a Burnett contract and know the leak fee is five mil. Hearing from the producers and crew, N-word is, quote, much worse, unquote. At the time, Mark Burnett, the creator and executive producer of The Apprentice, said of the speculation, quote, the tapes with all of those hours of archival footage have been locked away by Metro Golden Mayer, which owns Burnett Productions Company and its archive and by Burnett himself. They claim that there are legal reasons for keeping the footage hidden from the public consumption, unquote. Does the N-word tape exist? Does it fucking matter if it does? First answer, it's very likely. And second answer, absolutely not. But it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. 
I tell you, it just doesn't matter. 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 It just will still vote for him because they are racist too. Everyone knows Trump's a racist. Everyone knows because he says it. And because he does more than say it or think racist thoughts, he actively engages in policies and positions which harm people of color every goddamn day. His entire administration is a trip to bed, bath, and beyond away from being a Klan meeting. He could haul a cross out of the White House lawn every goddamn night, light that fucker on fire, and it would still mean less than what he's actually done as president to harm minorities. He fucking tore children away from their parents and put them in kitty jail. Do you think a word is worse than that? <laughs> Rosa knew all of this, just like we did. So why now is she suddenly queen of the resistance? To understand this, we need to turn to noted why peopleologist Michael Harriet of the Root, whose research into the underpinnings of the most rare of species, black people who support Trump, is key in our understanding. In his article, Eight Kinds of Black Donald Trump Supporters, he identifies them as magascots, who are willing to be mascots for Trump at his rallies so he can point to the lone black face in the crowd, the dummies, who are just, duh, dumb, the churchless pastors, the faux religious hucksters that carry a Bible and raise money, not for any church, but for them so they could buy a Gulfstream, the black conspiracy theorists who are sure there is some plot out there and that Donald Trump is the only one who's not involved, the different, who are black people that are really uncomfortable with being black, the true believers who Harriet likens to those black folks who didn't like Martin Luther King, and then there are the opportunists, which is where Omarosa falls, and finally, Harriet says, there's Kanye, who's basically all of the above. And Kanye West spectrum disorder. Let's go back to the opportunist, the grifting class that's Omarosa's gig. Harriet writes, quote, Some people are Trump supporters because it benefits them in some way. Maybe they're trying to climb the career ladder at a conservative law firm. Maybe they want to be a Republican mascot. Maybe they're presented with a choice of touring the country singing in the gospel version of Love Jones or performing two songs of his inauguration. Perhaps they're just trying to fuck Tony, <laughs> Tony Laren. Just like there's some Democrats who give black people lip service and don't give a damn about us, there are black people who would sell their nephew's kidneys to a wealthy Russian oligarch for the opportunity to get a little more money or power. They believe that latching on to any white person will help them get to the top, and they're willing to try anything. In private moments, they will tell you that they think Trump is despicable, but it's a side they chose. However, if they are ever called out or see the need to switch sides, they will disavow him. They didn't mean it. Give them a hug, but be careful. They'll stab you in the neck to reach the next fucking rung on the ladder, unquote. Look, I give zero fucks if Omarosa wants to get paid, and if she wants to get paid by screwing over Vlad's little bitch, so much the better in my book. But can we stop pretending to take her and her touring shit show like it's serious fucking news? Allegedly serious people are having serious conversations about what Omarosa's latest revelation means. You want to know what it fucking means? It means Omarosa just cashed a check. That's it. 
Not a goddamn thing she said is anything more than a listicle of resistance memes pulled from BuzzFeed and the New York Times, paired with some edited tapes she recorded of the world's worst people pretending to know how to run a fucking White House. She's utterly untrustworthy source. Her evidence is as much as I would wish it to be true, is little better than what any intern from The Daily Show could do circa 2006 could put together with a good clip archive and a digital workstation. Give me eight hours and an archive. I can put together you a tape of Barack Obama expanding on how he loves the nightlife and he loves to boogie on a disco high. And you know what? It might even be true because I bet Barry can shake his groove thing on the dance floor. But that doesn't make it fucking credible. No one should have my lying ass on face the fucking nation claiming that it is because I'm trying to peddle my book and land a next gig on the reboot of Mill fucking Island. 25 sexy moms, 50 sweaty 8th grade boys, and one beloved American comedy star. This Wednesday on MILF Island. I'm not even saying the tapes are fake. They're probably real, but look at the source. So a grifting opportunist without a moral compass and driving ambition unfettered by decency is let loose on the public because she's saying spicy shit about another grifting opportunist lacking a moral compass and driven by ambition unfettered by any sense of decency. And we just say, oh yeah, yeah, bring that shit on. Because it's good for ratings? It might be good for ratings, but it's bad for the country, bad for society, bad for the common good, and any hope for the future. But goddamn, it's good for the ratings. This is why we have fucking Trump in the first place. And I know, I know, I'm in a difficult space here. Because it could be really easy to go off on a rant about Omarosa that crosses a line into attacking her as a woman and or a person of color. All too often we attack women, particularly black women, for being smart, ambitious, even aggressive, all of which Omarosa certainly is. When we hold a woman or a a person of color to a different standard than we do white men, we belittle their accomplishments and deny their competence in a uniquely insulting way. So I don't want to come across like I'm doing that. Because I'm putting her in exactly the same category that I hold Sean Spicer, Reince Priebus, Anthony Scaramucci, and a litany of amoral fuckstains who've oozed in and out on the sewage tide that regularly swamps the Trump White House. Omarosa is no worse than these lowlifes. Yes, I will use Trump's term, because sometimes he's particularly apt at describing the people he hires when they inevitably betray him. So please, make no mistake, Omarosa's not better than the other scumbags, and she's not worse. She's exactly the kind of person who works for Trump. A shallow, egotistical, depraved hustler with no greater concern than self-aggrandizement and monetary gain. She is, in short, a lesser version of Donald Trump himself. But, in some ways, she actually is much, much worse than Donald. Because Omarosa betrayed every other woman and black person in America when she hitched her little red wagon to Donnie's racist ponies for fun and profit. She knew damn well what kind of man Trump was, and she orbited him for a decade and a half with her sole purpose in life, giving the appearance to, for the sake of propriety, that Trump is not the exactly the supportive person he is, a rich, white racist. A fact she either ignored a truth or just lied about because it personally profited her. And while he was some dickbag on reality TV or just a Russian mob money launderer, that was fine. The damage was contained. But when he ran for president, she had a choice. She could have walked away and said nothing, kept her mouth shut and went into whatever reality show hell they go to when they're not on networks, probably Bravo. But she didn't do that. She went out on the stump for him. She put on a minstrel 
commercial show so that the white people, and it was only white people, and black people didn't buy that shit for a damn second, so that white people could believe that Trump wasn't a racist. Here was Omarosa. She stepped into an old role, she did, that goes back centuries. Let's let Malcolm X explain exactly what Omarosa was doing. To understand this, you have to go back to what young brother here referred to as the house Negro and the field Negro back during slavery. There was two kinds of slaves. There was the house Negro and the field Negro. The house Negro, they lived in the house with master. They dressed pretty good. They ate good because they ate his food. What he left. <laughs> they lived in the attic or the basement but still they lived near their master. And they loved their master more than the master loved himself. They would, they would give their life to save their master's house quicker than the master would. The house Negro, if the master said, we got a good house here, the house Negro said, yeah, we got a good house here. Whenever the master said we, he said we. That's how you can tell a house Negro. If the master's if the master's house caught on fire, the house Negro would fight harder to put the blaze out than the master would. If the master got sick, the house Negro would say, what's the matter, boss? We sick. We sick. He identified himself with his master more than his master identified with himself. And if you came to the house Negro and said, Let's run away. Let's escape. Let's separate. That house Negro would look at you and say, Man, you crazy. What you mean separate? Where is there a better house than this? Where can I wear better clothes than this? Where can I eat better food than this? That was that house Negro. Sadly, Omarosa, when you get kicked out of the house, you don't get to go into the fields and assume the mantle of suffering in the face of all the people that you fucking wronged. The blog Field Negro puts it best when they say, quote, Omarosa was a house Negro's house Negro. She decided long ago that she belonged in the house and not in the fields, and she decided to become a field Negro when Trump soured on her and she saw the writing on the wall. Besides, the time for her giving us all the dirt on you know is long past, unquote. So fuck you, Omarosa. You don't get to be the hero now. The only redeeming thing about this entire pathetic shit show is how fucking terrified all the lackeys, lick spittles, and minions are of being the next person on the next tape to come out. On Thursday, Lara Trump, the wife of younger son Eric, you know, the one that's definitely not going to jail, just probably going to jail, is heard offering Omarosa 15 grand a month to keep her mouth shut. Now, people might call that hush money, and they should because that's exactly what the fuck it is. Who else is on tape? What dirty deeds are they doing on them? No one knows. The roaches are all scuttling for safety beneath the fridge, and Omarosa's stomping on them with a high heel shoe. And that part is nice. A source, however, who heard the tape says they are, quote, juicy to listen to, but ultimately don't contain any bombshells about the president or his family, unquote. Meaning that in the end, they are petty gossip, mean-spirited vengeance, and backstabbing vitriol, and the mark of a horrible human being. That doesn't make you a hero, Omarosa. That makes you a snake. 
you were perfectly happy to accept this, these people when it personally benefited and just as happy to fuck them over when they weren't. Omarosa might think she's the aggrieved party here that they did her wrong. She isn't. We are. Every American, even the poor saps that devoted, devoted for that deranged shithouse rat rage tweeting from the toilet, they got screwed too. All Americans are the one who get to pay for her little mean girl's tirade increasing against an increasingly unhinged simpleton with the astounding power to blow up the fucking world. Omarosa may have the receipts, but we paid the fucking bill. Now, as for Donnie, there's a shitty little poem that Trump loves to quote over and over again about a snake. Oh, shut up, silly woman. Said the reptile with a grin, you knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. He likes to use this poem to attack people who actually look a lot like Omarosa. He believes that anyone who does not share his fake-ass orange hue and peroxide hair isn't worthy of compassion, decency, or humanity unless they're useful to him personally. To be fair of Trump, this is not just his feeling towards minorities. This is how he feels about everyone, including his children. In Trump's world, minorities and women exist to serve. And to be worthy, they must serve with loyalty. And if they show their loyalty and their subservience to him personally, they'll be rewarded and treated like family. Though, uh, when you look at how Trump treats his family, that might not be all that great. But the second you turn on him, you're worse than you're worse than worthless. You're less than human. You're the snake that bites the hands that saved them. The beauty of all of this is that Trump has nothing but snakes who haven't bit him yet. The time will come when all the snakes are fat and happy and there's nothing more to be eaten at Trump's table when his words and deeds finally bring the house down around him and he's standing there cold in the snow. All the snakes will line up to take their bites, even the one who slithered from his loins. No one will feel sorry for Donald when it all comes down because he knew damn well they were snakes when he took them in. And the same applies to every fucking person who voted for this criminal fuckstick. When it all comes crashing down on all of us and you stand there in the smoking rubble that used to be your country, you don't get to cry out, oh my God, how could this happen? Because you fucking knew damn well he was a fucking snake when you took him in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. That is it for our show this week. want to thank everyone for sticking with us through the tribulations of attending a family gathering last week. I'm happy to report that my parents' 50th anniversary went well, and only a few relatives were traumatized by Dwayne the Leather Daddy I hired to be my spouse for the trip. Many of them spent the afternoon admiring his tattoos. Speaking of admiration and tattoos, you should rate and review this show wherever you get your podcast. It's like getting an embarrassing tattoo in an awkward location. You'll remember the feeling after you did it much more than you did from the doing of it. All of my monuments to poor decision-making to be found on the Twitters at the hell underscore podcast and the show name on Facebook. That's if a Twitter exists in the week or so after InfoWars shit they're pulling. No one knows where they're going to stay. All of our shows are at the show name on SoundCloud at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. 
So for me, Dave the Snack Bledsoe, producer Slytherin Gavin, and all the fictional vipers on this show, show we want to say, he's a cold-hearted snake. Look into his eyes. Uh-oh, he's been telling lies. See you all next week. for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.